Hey guys, welcome back to the Plant-Based Body Podcast. My name is Steph Sanzaro and again, it is so good to have you guys here with me for yet another episode. If you've been enjoying these episodes, please head over and hit the subscribe button as it really supports my podcast. Today, I am joined by the amazing Elise Carver. You guys might know her as her Instagram name, Little Bantam Surf Trainer, or by her surf style training methods. She is one heck of a woman. In this episode, we are going to be talking about the effects of social media on our mental health, and we'll also be talking about fitness, sustainability, and overall well-being, and how we can incorporate sustainable practices into a minimal waste lifestyle, but also into our fitness and into our eating, and yeah, this is an episode that I think you guys will gain a lot from, so If you do have a book and a pen ready, you will be wanting to write down a lot of these tips that we discussed today. So without further ado, please welcome Elise Carver. So when you were little, did you ever picture yourself being where you are today? (laughs) I don't know if I really ever pictured myself being anywhere in particular. I grew up, I don't know, I kind of grew up um, with a childhood where um, it was more celebrated if I was like uh, a singer or an actor or you know a dancer or something like a performing type I always you know like basically some one of my parents wanted to live vicariously through us kids so I never really even considered this and being and doing what I'm doing now as my future profession so I feel like yeah, I guess the answer is no, <laughs> definitely not. I'm like as far removed from that as possible, actually. Amazing. Well, where did you grow up? Um, I grew up all over the place. I've been to nine different schools in total. I've lived in Melbourne, Singapore, Sydney, Surf Coast now. But when I grew up, it was pretty much between, I'd say the place I felt most like home even though I was split between between two homes was Ringwood in Melbourne and then Frankston in South Melbourne. How come you lived in so many different places at such like a young age? Oh because my mother and my stepfather were and unfortunately are terrible with money mm. and they just rented and moved around and unfortunately I grew up with um, that side of my family, my, my mother and my stepfather, it was very much about them and what they wanted to do. So they pretty much just picked us up and moved us whenever they wanted to. I don't mind talking about it at all because it's been a massive learning curve for me dealing with my childhood stuff. Yeah, of course. And, you know, how has that been for you dealing with that sort of stuff? It was huge. I mean, I think for a while when I was younger, I thought that everything I went through um, and the way I was kind of treated was normal. And it wasn't till, it wasn't really till I got together with my now husband, probably eight years ago, I didn't realize how abnormal it actually was. And then, yeah. And then, um, I'd say I probably became quite stressed and anxious and, you know, situational depression a little bit, um, and have spent the last 
for in total, I'd say six, seven years trying to heal from it. The first two, three years was a lot, a lot, a lot of therapy and Reiki with my Reiki therapist, um, Elise, who's in Geelong. And then the rest has just been healing physically now, getting my body to recognize that I'm all good. Oh. Yeah, it's been a long journey. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's obviously, yeah, taken you a while, but you're obviously in a really good place now. Is that right? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I'm, I can't complain. I'm 33 years old and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not like, I'm not the zen person in the world but I definitely feel like I've come a long long way from being the you know drinking five nights a week partying hooking up with boys you know self-sabotaging human that I was when I was in my early 20s yeah was that sort of like what it was like around high school as well or High school, I actually had not with the not with the guys type thing. I actually had a long term boyfriend for about two three years in high school. But high school was tough in that I was never. Um, I think I realise now because of my own personal issues, I never felt comfortable finding a clique or a group or a bunch of friends. And at the time, I always told myself that everyone hated me and that no one liked me. When in actual fact. I was probably perpetuating that a little bit because I didn't think I deserved it. So high school was tough for me. And then, you know, I moved out of home when I was like 15, 16. So that was tough. My, my, like my grades were terrible. So high school was really rough in different ways. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I mean, high school is tough enough as it is without all that on top of it. I know. And I swear to God, if anyone ever said to me, would you go back? I'd be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what, what happened to you after high school? Did you finish? Yeah, I finished. So um, I spent the last six months of year 12, my, my actual father who lived in Frankston, we have a great relationship. He drove me um, to and from Frankston every, from Frankston to Ringwood. So it's like, like an hour and a half. Um, every morning and afternoon, pretty much for the last six months of year 12. So I could finish, uh, I didn't get a great end to score and I'm glad I didn't go with my fallback. I was going to go to William Anglis, which is the Melbourne food school. Yeah. And yeah, like, I mean, I had great grades in that respect, but I just, I just wasn't feeling it. So I actually ended up working as a plumber or a plumber's labourer with my dad for a year. And yeah, and then saved up money and went around Australia with my boyfriend at the time. And I think that was definitely one step in the right direction in that it was opening my eyes to the rest of the world, not just my little bubble that I lived in. Yeah, step towards your healing, obviously. Yeah, totally. I think every time you have, every time you go through a big experience or you travel or you separate yourself from, especially if you separate yourself from family, whether you have a good relationship with them or not, I think you learn a lot of things about yourself when you have major shifts like that. I think a lot of people are afraid to cut certain people out of their life because they're afraid to, but sometimes it's just so necessary to remove those toxic people because your life can change completely. Yeah, yeah, totally. And that's actually one thing that I don't have a problem with. Um, 
And I have in the past, because obviously, as you do anything, the first time you try it, you go at it, you know, full ball. So even when I was, you know, taking the people out of my life that didn't fit, I was a little bit, a little bit, um, you know, bull at a gate would just go at it really hard and almost come across a little bit harsh. But as I've gotten older, I've realized that there's, once you figure out the way to approach these things, there is a way to pick and choose the relationships that are healthy for you. And, you know, one of those obviously, or a couple of those obviously were family members for me. So I think having the courage to do that, it's actually one of the hardest things to do because you need to be comfortable with being alone as well or the concept of being alone. Yeah, a lot of people struggle with that. Mm. Mm. Well, you mentioned you started to start travelling with your boyfriend. What, when did sort of your health and fitness love come about? I've always had an affinity with being fit or active um, because my father only ever saw him every second weekend when I was growing up. Everything we did, which he admits to this day, <laughs> he's admitted to me that he did it because he'd work like five days a week and then be exhausted that he had to like tire me out. <laughs> so he would take me rollerblading or horse riding or at the time would teach me to surf or try to. I actually hated waves and sand when I was younger, so I didn't pick yeah, and then it was gymnastics and then rock climbing and that it came originally from dad trying to keep me active and get me tired. But I kind of, I think obviously it just became a really big outlet for me when I was younger, a way to get out my frustration and um, my anger, whether it was towards myself or towards my family. And when you're young, you don't realise, you know, you don't, you're not really conscious of that. And now I still to this day, like, you know, it feels really good to go for a surf or go for a climb because I'm out of my head and I'm just into what I'm doing. So it's been around since I was young. I've been doing this kind of stuff since I was really little. That's powerful. And I think that's great advice for the listeners as well to seek, you know, physical activity in sort of the search of helping your mental health at the same time. Totally. In fact, I mean, for anyone, I don't know about anyone else, but I struggle to meditate in the traditional way, like sitting there and meditating and not moving is a, it's one of the hardest things I find to stay consistent with. So for me, surfing or climbing or stretching is there my meditation. That is the, they're the, they're the times where I'm out of my head and just in my body and just thinking about breathing. People say to me when they watch me train, they're like, how do you remember to breathe? And I'm like, this is the one time I do remember to breathe. <laughs> oh, that is so good because it doesn't have to be conventional. Sit by yourself in a room in silence and meditate, you know. Oh. Mm. Yeah. And it's so hard in this day and age. I feel like in the 21st century, that's like maybe maybe it's doable for someone who lives relatively slow but if you live in the fast-paced world which unfortunately it does seem to demand of us more and more every day it's really hard to go from like sixth gear to first gear whereas going from like sixth gear to third gear and staying fit and healthy while you do it is a lot more manageable yeah how good's that two two beds one stone yep so how did your surf style training come about 
So I was a, you know, your conventional run-of-the-mill trainer when I was 21. That's when I first started doing uh, the master trainer course, just your average PT course. Mm. And it was kind of like a photographer who really wanted to do landscape photography, doing baby photography. I was working in a gym. It felt okay, but it didn't really hold my interest. I just kind of felt like it was the daily grind. Um, and then I stepped away from it a little bit, just doing it part time while I was doing other things like marketing and I suppose challenging my creativity. Mm. And then I got back into surfing when I was about 23, 24. And I realized that I was about six kilos too heavy in muscle. (laughs) Yeah. I used to drown when I went surfing. I just felt like I was lugging along a heap of like excess weight that I didn't need that wasn't serving me any purpose like I looked you know I looked muscular but it didn't really do anything Mm. so I started changing my own personal training um and my routine and you know I also have um my like minor lumbar scoliosis as well and hypermobile joints and that as you get older you know that starts coming into it so my training for me personally really started um, morphing into something completely different to what I was doing in the gym conventionally and then I after a couple of years I started just putting it out there that there was this new type of training that I was doing and I was basing it around the key attributes of a professional surfer or what a professional surfer should look like. One of the, probably one of the best models is Kelly Slater. He pretty much nails it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I just started communicating with people and started working with people, even pro bono, just saying, hey, can I, can I try this new method on you? Would you be interested? And it just got really good results and it just kind of rolled on from there. That is incredible. You created your own style of training and became a business in the whole process. Yeah, it was good because I got to really, you know, I love, obviously I love physical movement and I love training and I love being fit, but at the same time I got, I get to be really creative. Mm. Like it's really fun. And is it important to you that like you're, you're helping others as well? Yeah, massively. Um, I probably realized a couple of years ago, because at first with the whole social media craze, I was like, right, this is awesome. This is doing well. I want to be known for what I'm doing. And I got sucked into that whole thing. And then in the midst of doing my therapy with my Reiki therapist, I realized that all of that was coming from a bit of a dark place, you know, trying to prove myself. Um, and I kind of let all that go. I realized when it comes down to it, what I really enjoyed was when people came in and said, Oh my God, I got the wave of my life or my back feels so much better or my knees feel so much stronger. I realized I got much more reward from that than from the superficial side of the business. That is so good. This is through your Instagram account, little Bantam surf trainer. Yeah, yeah. So that was like, it was great when it started and then it was all consuming. And now it's been, now it's finally reaching a stage, I think, where I'm like, okay, now I can actually help people and serve a purpose on here as well as in person. Mm, I think that's a really big thing. I think, you know, social media, you know, it does affect our mental health. And unfortunately, that's just this day and age. But you seem like you've been able to come out on the other end. How, how did you sort of manage that? 
Well, I wouldn't say I've completely come out of the other end. I still have, I still have moments where I look at my social media and go, oh my God, engagement's down. How am I going to communicate? And it's really funny because you realize you have that moment and then a split second later you go, wait a minute, I'm literally, I'm literally asking myself these questions based on what social media has told me is important when in actual fact, that's not what's important in life. So that that's definitely been a part of the process is take a take a fucking breath and realize what you're actually concerned about because most of the time it's not actually worth worrying about um but i also as much as i would like to say that i take breaks away from it that is actually a very hard thing to do is to step away from it because when you step away from it social media instagram especially tends to punish you with lower engagement so instead of doing that i just pre-plan a bit more, get my content lined up. So I'm on, I share what I need to share and then I get off. And now I've found recently that moving from what I thought I had to be um, and what I had to represent isn't actually the case. I can now share more of what I really value, which is sustainability in all aspects of your life. And since I kind of worked that out, I've been, I feel a lot less um, mentally challenged by it because I'm, it's, it's not about likes. It's not about anything like that. It's about I am sharing with you a way of living that I truly, truly believe is the way of the future. So it just seems to, it, it's not colliding. It's kind of moving along a lot better. Yeah, you've got the freedom to post things that you're actually genuinely like that inspire happiness within you as well. Precisely, you know, you're posting, you're sharing. It's the same in everything, not just social media. It's like when you share what you truly, genuinely love and what brings you joy, you could care less what other people think. Yeah, oh, I love that. <laughs> when social media is affecting your mental health, do you have like a few things that you like to do to, you know, realign yourself, to step back for a moment? Is surfing involved in that? Is physical activity? Surfing, yes, not so much a winter because going in the cold terrifies me. <laughs> um, but a great way, look, surfing does help definitely getting outside, being in the veggie garden. I find, I find being in the garden, whether it's with the quails or turning over soil or planting or picking, anything to do with the garden, really, I feel like really brings you back to who you are and who you are capable of being. Um, and then another aspect for me, which is almost not the opposite, but just diff very, very different is um, I'm writing, or I've written a, a book, a fantasy novel, and I'm in my third draft now. And it is the ultimate way to step away from those superficial things that don't matter and step into like this, for me, step into like this creative, magical world. That is so bloody cool. I did not know you were doing that. Yeah, it's really funny when people say, oh, you're writing a book. Is it about fitness? I'm like, no, nah, it's a fantasy novel. They're like, what? <laughs> that is greatness. I love that. Yeah, I think I've realised as I've gotten older that the world is so full of extremes. You know, we're supposed to be the full-on hippie activist or we have to be the Zen yogi or we have to be, you know, the CrossFit ab trainer or, 
you know, it's, it's, it's like we're not allowed to be a jack of all trades. We're not allowed to embrace all these dis- different aspects of ourselves. We have to do one thing and do it really, really well and better than everybody else when it's, it's just not reality for so many people and it's not the case. Definitely not for me. Ah, that's so great. And I love that you're moving in towards this sustainability realm. And I know it's a big part of what you and your husband are all about. And I was wondering if you might be able to explain to the listeners what sustainability is, but also what it looks like in your house. So, I mean, obviously sustainability is the ability to keep something going. And to me, I take it as keep something going in a healthy, responsible um, happy manner. They're probably the, they're probably the most important things in our house. Sustainability is from, it's from, you know, choosing to buy, choosing not to buy plastic items, for example, that's a big one, um, because it's not sustainable for the planet. Um, choosing to buy secondhand clothing and secondhand goods because why bring more waste into the world when there's plenty to choose from? Um, It's also sustainability of growing our own food because unfortunately with the current climate or current um, climate crisis that we're looking at, food may one day become scarce and we would like to be able to be self-sustainable. We would like to know that if something happens or if Matt can't make it to work or I can't make it to work, then we could still feed ourselves. So it's that long-term concept as well. There's also things like um, if you take it to fitness, it's sustainable fitness. So it's not go hard, go home, ruin yourself. So the next day you can't walk. That's not sustainable. You need to be able to continue on every day and we're living longer now than any other generation before i don't want to get to 70 and be a cripple because i've gone too hard i want to be able to still get out in the veggie garden and still walk a couple of k's a day and be fit and healthy and wake up the next morning so the aspect of sustainability really is um i we really come at it from all angles even down to our food it's not sustainable doing a, I don't know, like a keto diet or an Atkins diet or, you know, completely sugar-free diet, which I attempted, which I did for a year and a half, two years, we did Candida. And it was probably the one of the most depressing times of my life. It's just not sustainable. So it's really coming at sustainability from every single aspect. That's incredible. And I hadn't myself thought about it from that multifaceted point of view. You know, I talk about sustainable training in my, you know, realm of fitness and telling people not to overdo it and, you know, to take it nice and easy. You want to be able to, you know, like you said, when you're 70, you want to still be able to move. But that's incredible. I hadn't actually thought about it from that point of view before. Mm, it's um I feel like sometimes we overcomplicate things. Like I said before, people go, Oh, you're sustainable. They assume that you're gonna be this free loving hippie and you're like no because to a degree being that extreme you can't I mean how can you sustain a truly free loving hippie vibe when you need to drive a hundred when you need to drive like a hundred k's to visit someone technically driving a petrol or diesel car is not a sustainable hippie vibe so that in itself you can't sustain that image so why try and be something so extreme when it means you cannot sustain it yeah let's just bring it back to its simplest form i think yeah because otherwise you're a bit of a contradiction 
Totally. And I mean, the world is loving to point out anyone who remotely comes across as a contradiction. Like we now have this mob mentality where the minute someone does something that's not in line with their Instagram bio, they get pulled up on it. And it's just, it's kind of toxic, unfortunately, because that's the way the world evolved to believe to think that you have to be one aspect of yourself. You have to do one thing really good and stuff all the other things. And again, that itself is not sustainable. <laughs> no, and like, it's just horrible that people feel the need to gang up on certain individuals that way. And I know it comes from them and what's going on in their life, but you know, it affects the person's mental health on the other end of it as well. Oh, yeah. And to turn around and say, oh, I didn't make you feel that way. You choose to feel that way, which I used to do when I was going through my mental stuff. I used to say shit to my husband and bless him because he has just stood by my side. But you can't just blurt stuff out and go and, you know, absolve any responsibility for it. It's not the way it works. What you say does affect the people that you, you either text or you comment or you speak to. It affects them. So you can't, you can't say that it doesn't. No, you just got to be nice, people, all right? Just be kind. Yeah, no, be nice. Be nice and happy. <laughs> so back to sustainability. I was wondering, for someone out there who's never really heard of the concept before and, you know, they don't know anything about it, what are a few things that they can do in their life, implement them today, that will help towards leading a more sustainable life? Totally, and I'm all about, I'm all about simplifying things down to, uh, you know, minimal steps. So if... I was to say pick three things to do to be sustainable. One thing would be composting. And I know it's super specific, but the benefit of composting is there's so many. You are reducing the methane gases that come from the rotting food sitting in landfill. Not only that, but you are taking your scraps and you're either composting it yourself or giving it to someone else, which regenerates the soil. We're so, so many of us are hell, so hell bent on getting off this planet or finding a better option instead of thinking about regenerating it that I think composting is something everyone can do and it's so simple. Um, and as number two would probably be, and I know people would love to say don't buy plastic, but I think it's broader than not buying plastic. I think it's more like think minimal waste, you know, which entails things like stay away from your single use plastics, um, buy second hand instead of brand new, you know, find a way or a purpose to reuse things, use nature as decorations instead of buying cheap decorations. So if you kind of adopt that minimal waste mentality, it will entail a lot more than not using plastic. Uh, and number three would be totally about you personally is ditch, ditch the extreme diets, ditch the extreme training, Bring it back to what gen, gen... I'm not talking about it feels good to sit there and watch Netflix and eat a packet of Tim Tams. I'm talking about do what... Genuinely, I know. Do what genuinely feels good that is sustainable. So pick a meal plan that you can sustain, that you enjoy eating, but it's healthy at the same time. It's not going to make you add 20, 30 kilos to your waistline. Pick training that the next day you might be a little bit sore, but you can still walk and you could probably train again that day or get up and move that day. Just pick 
options that aren't extreme when it comes to your food and your physical movement. So those would be my three. I probably talked way too much, so it's, it's probably like not streamlined, but basically compost, minimal waste mentality and um, avoid extremes in food and physical movement. You're a legend. I love it. You just answered like 10 more of my questions I had to come for you. <laughs> you can ask them still. Perfect. I want to move into a few questions. So what motivates you to move your body? If I don't move my body now that I'm over my 30, 30 year hump, I get stiff and sore and my knees buckle and that is not very helpful when I want to go rock climbing or surfing or wake up without a sore back. So for me, my physical movement really is so I can wake up feeling good and do the things that are fun. Yeah, I think that's huge. And if people can find that in their own lives, I think that that will definitely help motivate them to start getting out of bed and moving their body as well. Yeah, I feel like it's a more genuine motivation. Like I don't get up and go, I want abs or I want shoulders or I want a less saggy butt. They are great add-ons. And that happens when you try to stay fit for what you love, but staying fit for the things that make you happy. That's, that's the shit that makes you go back to doing it. You know, it's like I go out and surf even when it's cold because it puts a smile on my face. If I didn't enjoy it, I wouldn't go back. So naturally I will happily train to keep myself surfing fit. If that makes sense. Yeah. And that's sustainable for you. Exactly. Precisely. And like, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't train excessively either. So I'm happy to go back to it. Um, how many times a week do you train? Uh, probably train at the moment. I've been doing every second day because I just know that I'm not going to be able to sustain five days a week. So I said to myself, okay, I'll train every second day. If I feel like I want to train on a day that's a day off, then I'll do something like dance cardio or I'll go surfing. Like I'll do something fun. Um, And I probably only train for about 30 to 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, But other than that, like I'll walk my dog every morning. I'll do that. That's kind of just an add-on. That's so good. And what type of food are you eating? Like how do you feel your body? So because I've had chronic gastritis for six years and I'm in my sixth year and I'm finally, yeah, it's been a a long journey. What is it exactly? So chronic gastritis is basically chronic inflammation of the lining of your stomach. Um, I got it about six years ago. Um, I had a bender, (laughs) woke up the next morning and I was like, oh, my stomach's burning. Like when it was empty, didn't think anything of it. And then a couple of days later, I had a curry for dinner and then I trained people and I went to show them an exercise upside down and I had that lovely sensation of when you vomit in your mouth. (laughs) And ever since then, I've had chronic gastritis. So I'll wake up in the morning when my stomach's empty and it feels like it's burning. This is what I used to get. Um, Also things like, you know, wet burps, um, bloating. Sometimes you get IBS symptoms. Sometimes you get esophageal um, gastritis, which is like your throat feels really tight and sore because the lining is worn. Um, Gastritis can come from excessive stress. It can come from too much alcohol consumption. Um, It can also come from, and I think my situation was I had a really bad period pain. 
for a while and I was smashing two Advil every four hours for the first three days of my period. And so, yeah, and it's NSAIDs and they're anti-inflammatories and the difference with them is they are super abrasive on your stomach, especially if it's empty. Um, And I'm, I'm convinced that that's what started my roller coaster. But I think my stress and my personal issues is what kept it around because obviously your, your central nervous system is based where your stomach is. So that's, it holds all your emotions. It's like your second brain. That's the gut. It's, yeah, people aren't realizing yeah. this, but the mi- gut microbiome is just so central to everything in our body. Totally. So that was, that was the beginning of my journey. But now to date, I actually started doing, I started, I've, I've, progressively over the six years tried different things i tried candida diet which is like no sugar yeast dairy um i've tried uh i've tried all different types of things i did obviously a lot of self-discovery breaking it down testing things one by one and then six years on i got to the medical medium in january and my partner and i both eat the way he recommends and it encapsulates everything that has and hasn't worked for me aside from acidity that's something i had to add so it's basically no animal products um including meat and dairy but the great thing about this is is like if you want to eat stuff like you know eggs or or meat it's not bad for you just be mindful if that you're healing from a chronic disease that it will take you a few steps back, which I love about, I love about the way he talks about it. It's not like you have to do this. Uh, so I, dairy is definitely something I avoid. Um, any animal products like dairy. I still have honey from time to time, but honey's quite acidic. So I have to be careful with it. Um, meat, I don't touch unless it is sustainably caught. And when I say sustainably, I mean pretty much, I know that it's pollen lion caught. Um, or my husband has literally speared it himself. Uh, and that is the only meat I eat unless, um, unless he happens to get venison from when he goes hunting, which is literally like once or twice a year. And then I might have a little bit of red meat, but it doesn't agree with my stomach all that much. So I tend to stay away from it. No gluten, minimal legumes. Um, and I'm trying to think what else. Oh, and low acidity. So I can't do tomatoes and stuff like that and chili. But I just want to remind everyone that this is, I talk about sustainable eating. This is sustainable for me because it means that I'm not in pain. And I actually feel the best that I felt in six years. And my, I'm on half my dosage of my medication. I am dealing with a chronic illness, whereas other people in day-to-day life, their sustainable eating would look completely different to mine 100% yeah so people are probably listening going holy shit how is that sustainable it's sustainable for me because I can eat a high plant-based diet and feel amazing and I'm I still have a chronic illness but I'm feeling better every day so to me it's totally sustainable yeah people with a chronic illness will definitely understand having to eliminate quite a lot of inflammatory things from their diet but i think for other people they would think that that is quite extreme but for people like it's yeah you're going to feel better if you're not eating those foods so it's pretty simple yeah and that's the thing that's why i mean sustainably there are some things about sustainable living that are really individual to the person like physical movement and health i think 
physical movement, health and mental health are three things that I think are really individual when you approach it from a sustainability point of view. But then there are things obviously like, you know, buying plastic or buying secondhand or it's then there's other stuff outside of the personal that is it's pretty obvious that if you buy like you know one of those like little coles plastic collectibles that it's kind of like well it's pointless and it's plastic so probably not sustainable (laughs) so mad i know i can't believe when they brought it out i was like what and then they tried to come at me with a message about their red cycle system where people can recycle the single use plastic that's wrapped around it but the plastic figurines are supposed to be kept for a lifetime and i'm like there's no way anyone is keeping all of their plastic figurines for a lifetime no but what put them in your china cupboard exactly i'm like these are not it's not like you're collecting something that's worth like ten thousand dollars these are plastic throwaway items Mm. so i was pretty pissed off about that (laughs) been too yeah i want you to tell the listeners what the morning three is so the morning three i started i think i've been doing that for almost two years now possibly i think so the morning three started when um a lovely friend of mine uh had this idea and like she just she did this what she do she i think she did podcasts And she basically, I was in my garden, I was listening while I was watering the garden and she was like, I just had three tips this morning about da-da-da-da-da-da. And it wasn't an ongoing thing. And then all of a sudden I thought, I actually love listening to something every morning. I wonder if anyone else would. So then I just started doing it and it would be, it might be like about the last thing I thought about the night before or it'd be a question that someone asked me or it'd be something that really meant something to me or basically just real stuff, just real stuff that matters to real people and just three things that you can take away and remember through the rest of the day. Cause let's be honest, it's easier to remember three than it is to remember an essay. So I just started doing it. It was just a nice little plus. There was also the fact that I didn't want to do a heap of Instagram stories where I was talking to camera and be like one of those people where you just tap through their Instagram stories because you're tired of seeing their face. Yep. <laughs> so I thought, oh, if I just do three, then people will only see my face in three Instagram stories. That's great. <laughs> well, because you share something completely different every day. Yeah, it's literally like none of it is, I've never been one of those people that plans all of my content ahead, especially with Instagram stories. It's very much just what I'm thinking and feeling and doing that day. So cool. Do you have a morning three that you can share with us today? Well, this morning I did the one about composting, but I pretty much already spoke about that. Um, Yeah, I probably do have a morning three. The one that's been on my mind and I wasn't sure whether to share it was this whole thing about Instagram likes. I suppose I can share it because it's a mental health thing, but my thoughts on it were that I don't, one, I don't think it's actually going to benefit people's mental health very much because the people who are running their accounts, especially the people who have small businesses, we can still see how many likes we get. So if something doesn't perform as well as we'd like, we still have put ourselves out there and then not gotten a result that we want. And we still know that the Instagram algorithm 
is still going to go, oh, well, you weren't that good, so we're not going to bring you up in front of people. So that was one thing I thought. The second one is it made me think about um, like sheeps. It's just a, it's a, literally a phrase I just came up with then. But it's basically people who like shit because other people like shit. It made me think that maybe it would be good because people will genuinely double tap something that they genuinely like, not just because someone else did it. But then Instagram decided to keep it where they still show the most popular people who like it. So I was kind of like, well, that defeats the whole fucking purpose, doesn't it? Yeah. I didn't realise that it was the most popular people that came up on it. Yeah, they generally pick the most. They, they, sometimes they pick randoms. They pick people who are people who are quite active on your account, but then they'll also pick the most famous people. Mm, sneaky, isn't it? <laughs> and then the other thing I thought of was that it's, probably a strategic drive by Instagram just to push you towards IGTV because you can still see all views on IGTV, which means in the end, they probably weren't doing it for us at all. They were just doing it for themselves. Yeah. And I think that that's probably where it's coming down to. It's also put them in the media a lot recently as well. So for those who are thinking that Instagram was possibly dying, it's now got a lot of heat behind it again. Exactly. I just think, and I, the reason I thought about sharing that as a morning three as well is because I was like, well, you guys need to understand that these businesses, these social media businesses do not have your best interests at heart. They're not doing this for you. They're most likely doing it for them. And you need to remember that. Everyone needs to remember that because, um, I mean, su- what suicides, anxiety and depression have gone up something like 30% in the last two years in Australia alone because most likely because of social media and the online networking system, because people are constantly anxious about, you know, who likes their stuff or they've got FOMO all the time or, you know, it's, it's, it's really producing this terrible mentality. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I, I don't know how we escape it 100%. You know, like we were talking about before, social media helps to build business now, you know. I'm not sure if your business would be where it is today if you didn't have social media. So that's oh, it wouldn't be. It totally wouldn't be. I mean, I have the online surf style training program and I have I have a few mem like quite a few members. They probably wouldn't have found out about it by social uh, until social media. The, the I used to love Instagram when it was just chronological and there were no ads yeah. and it actually felt like they genuinely just wanted to share. And then they started bringing in people paying for ads and then they changed it. So they tell you what you think you, what they think you would like. And it just morphed into this nightmare of a thing. And ever since then, it's become this torturous, it's become this torturous part of business. And I, like it for things like this where I connect with people, but more and more the negative is outweighing the positive, which is really sad because I want to be able to share solutions and ideas with people all over the world. Yeah. You know, it makes it really hard. It's almost a double-edged sword. Totally. Yeah. I think it's necessary. It's a necessary evil, but hopefully, I don't know, maybe individually coming up with ways to remove anxiety that is associated with it as well. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's all you can do. It's the same with, um, like I did a talk recently 
at Great Ocean Road um, Wellness with Damien Cole and Tessa from Ahimsa and was about sustainability. And, and you know, um, the, we were all talking about how we were different aspects of it. And I was like, well, I'm about sustainability for the individual. And the reason I feel so strongly about it is because it comes down to us as individuals to make the choices that are best for us and best for the planet. And, you know, this is one of those times where as an individual, you have to make a choice for your mental health. You can't turn around and say, well, damn you, Instagram, it's your fault. Ultimately, it comes down to you. It's it's the decisions you make, how you choose to see things, how you read things, whether you pick up your phone, whether you have a break or not. Yeah, It comes down to us in the end. It really does. I mean, you know, big thing for me was turning off my notifications from Instagram. I did that four years ago. It was the best thing I ever did. I even did all my text messages. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So I'll open up. I'll go, oh, I've got 11 text messages. People really like me today. <laughs> yeah, I think it's super healthy just not to be constantly like looking at your phone when it lights up and, you know, that dopamine yeah. rush that we get. 100%. It is. Honestly, turning off notifications was, other than my like phone calls, was the best decision I ever made. Yeah, amen. I think also not feeling the pressure to do like a certain number of posts every week or, you know, just like removing that from myself really helps well. I always thought that I needed to do things, but now I just sort of do whatever I want to do. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, I still, I mean, it's and it's good to hear that there are people doing that. I still, because I said to myself, I'm like, right, if I want to keep my engagement up, I've got to make sure I'm still appearing. Appearing. At first I tried doing one a day and I just about wanted to shoot myself after three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had a massive backlash and just did like one a week and my engagement dropped and I went, oh, God. And oh. then I read, yeah, I read this little thing, a blog on later.com, I think, and it was like pick the amount of posts you can do per week that is sustainable and I just laughed I was like okay well I think I can manage three a week that is what I will do and I have been able to maintain it for like the last year I'm like cool three a week I can do no more no less (laughs) I wanna we're nearly at the end but I'd love for you to just walk me through what a day in the life for you looks like oh my god I'm such a loner I'm just gonna tell people right now Because I, my studio is attached to my home, so I spend so much time at home. There's probably a lot of people who are like, that's awesome. And it is. <laughs> and I'm not going to say it's not. It's actually really awesome. Like People yeah. almost expect to go, oh, yeah, but, you know, there must be, you know, something I don't like about it. There really isn't. It's actually really lovely. Um, I wake up. I have my celery juice with my husband. I rinse the celery juicer out. I might do some stretching at the moment because it's winter. I do stretching in the morning. When it's summer, I get up or spring even. I take my dog for a work walk really early when the sun's up. Um, and then I come back, train a couple of clients, and then I make tea or actually I make chicory coffee and listen to The Quickie, which is a Mamma Mia podcast. It's like a 10-minute. It's really fun. It's like a 10-minute podcast, gives you a rundown of the news, but then gives you about six minutes. They call it the deep dive, and they go into a particular topic. Have you heard it before? I haven't heard it before. 
it's so good. Like while I'm making my porridge and my chicory coffee, I just have that playing and it's only 10 minutes. So it's like perfect timing to listen to something kind of just gets you, it gets you, I feel like it gets your emotions going. Like it kind of just gets your brain working. You have a think about something. It's become, sometimes they have topics that I'm so into that they become part of my morning three. Yeah. So then after that, I'll have breakfast, do my morning three. And then I usually sit down for about an hour, an hour and a half and work on the book. Um, at the moment I am doing some courses, some creative writing courses with masterclass because the book is with an editor at the moment. And then I'll force myself to get on the computer and do some work. (laughs) I'm so bad at it. I'm just like, all I want to do is put on Netflix or go and play with the quails or I force myself to do a couple of hours work. And then sometimes I have midday clients. If I don't, then I'll train usually those days. So I'll go into the studio and do like half an hour. By the time I fuck around posting on Instagram, it's usually an hour. And then I'll come in and I only work in the studio about 22 to 25 hours a week. And what we do is because I obviously like on a weekly basis, I have my online business, but generally that feeds back into the online business, the money that I make from that. So what I've done with my husband is he makes a couple of hundred more than me a week. So instead of going, well, I'm going to push myself to work more. I actually take care of all the cooking and the shopping. So I allocate like an hour and a half every day for either food prep, chopping celery, making like a banana bread. So we have healthy treats or prepping stuff for dinner and cooking dinner. And it's actually one of the most zened out parts of my day probably as much as surfing and rock climbing because I literally just like I'll either put music on and cook some really nice meal or I'll have Gilmore Girls on in the background which is pretty much like radio to me and it's like how good is it amazing (laughs) it's like one of my favorite shows So I'll like have that on in the background and I'll just like cook and try new foods. And that's when I come up with new recipes. And then by the time that's done, my afternoon clients are here. So I train my afternoon clients and then I'm done. And then it's pretty much just like eat and chill with my husband. That is bloody cool. (laughs) It is is a pretty good, my days are pretty good. I'd be lying if I said they weren't. And obviously you know, depending on, I'm thinking of my typical winter day at the moment because I'm not surfing heaps. I may be surfing once or twice a week because it's so fucking cold. <laughs> How cold is the water at this point? Uh, it's probably about 10 degrees. Oh, great. Yeah, it's like, it's like proper freezing and I feel the cold so quickly. So when it gets to like summer, spring, summer, then it's usually like get up, train clients, surf, then come back. But in winter, it's more, I'm very much, I very much like to honour the seasons. Mm. So I'm, you know, I'm more like fireplace on, write my book, hang out inside, do a bit of filming, do a bit of cooking. You know, it's very much that winter vibe. And then when summer comes along, it's like, you know, it's like morning walks and, juices and smoothies in the morning and surfing in the morning and I'll get outside and do veggie gardening and like not a lot of computer work gets done in spring and summer because it's just so nice outside. (laughs) You are so cool. I really like this. (laughs) (laughs) My husband was telling me yesterday that he went to the podiatrist and the podiatrist was like, oh, what does your wife do? 
And he turned around to dive. She goes, oh, she works about 20 hours a week. And I looked at him and I was like, oh, great. So he thinks I'm like a bludger. <laughs> He's like, no, no, no. I told him. I told him that it's not like that. I said, oh, yeah. Did you really? Did, I, did you tell him I pick up your underwear and clean your clothes and cook your food? He goes, oh, no, I didn't mention that. I was like, great. <laughs> I think half the time people think I do nothing. <laughs> Oh, I think everyone, especially myself, you know, I look at you through my Instagram, you've always, you're always providing such a positive message and you're always giving out little nuggets of just gold. And I think you're definitely one of the most favorite people that I look at in the morning. I look at your morning three and look, I'm getting a lot from that. And I think a lot of other people are too. Oh, awesome. Yeah. It's, um, I definitely, I definitely like the idea, not like the idea. I definitely aim to be, I suppose, educational and inspiring they're the they're definitely two things that are super important to me because otherwise it's kind of like what's the point yeah do you think that's what your ethos is I think so I mean I did a little survey on Instagram stories and said to people describe my account in three words and then describe me and um the words that came back were educational inspiring honest real and badass which i thought was hilarious i like that one i know i was like yes i'm not an old lady <laughs> so i was happy with that those responses i was like okay good i'm doing i felt like i was doing i'm like i'm on the right track i'm doing the right thing yeah you're providing the value you want to provide precisely you know i mean if anyone said Oh, beautiful pictures. I'd be like, oh my God, shoot me now. <laughs> that is not what I'm about. <laughs> no, no, not at all. So Elise, before we finish up, I was wondering if there has been something that we haven't covered today that you would really like the listeners to know about. Um, actually, rather than them knowing about something, I would love feedback. I mean, obviously there is the Surf Style Training Program. So surfstyletraining.com.au. I would love people to go on that to check it out. You can get, you can do a free trial for seven days. But the reason I want people to check that stuff out is for feedback. I don't have, um, I'm redoing my main website and it's not ready yet, but it will be ready soon because I'm moving into that whole phase of a sustainable existence. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I suppose I would love if anyone feels like it, share with me, you know, things you want to know, questions you have about sustainable living, things that irk you about the people who talk about sustainable living. You know, if there's something you want to see that's more real, I love, there is nothing better than to listen to people's feedback. And then, you know, you know that when you're answering questions that you're helping someone. So that's all I could probably say is check out my stuff, contact me, share your feedback. I want to know what, I want to know what stuff you want to know about. And if it's something that's in my, you know, in my interest of sustainability, then I, I will totally answer your questions. <laughs> yeah. And where can the listeners find you for social media and all that sort of stuff? So if you type in Little Bantam um, Surf Style Training, I'll come up on Facebook, Little Bantam Surf Trainer. Pretty much if you just type in Little Bantam, I'll come up on Instagram. I don't think anyone else has that name. Maybe someone did a hashtag, but it was for a chicken. That's <laughs> <laughs> name. Little Bantam's, so basically Bantam is small but aggressive and spirited person. So I picked, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> 
I picked that and I was like, that is who I am. (laughs) I know. And then I added little because I thought it was cute pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) So so good. Yeah. And then, uh, and so basically little Bantam surf trainer on Instagram, little Bantam on Facebook, you'll find it under little Bantam surf style training. Um, and then surfstyletraining.com.au. That's they're the active ones at the moment. Um, the new website, a sustainable existence, will be I reckon up in if I get my shit together and don't play with the quails every day. Probably like four or five weeks. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here today and being so real and honest and that is really what you're about and why I and so many people do love following you and I love how educational and inspirational you are and I just want to take a moment to say thank you and that you should be really, really proud of yourself. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that and thank you for having me on. I loved that. I think that that was such a seriously important episode and we touched on some really good topics that I'm really proud to raise awareness for and I love that that is what Elise is all about. And she raised this really amazing topic about sustainability, not just being about, you know, uh, minimal waste living, but also about your fitness. You know, is your fitness practice sustainable for you long term? Are you going too hard? Are you doing too much high intensity? Do you need to slow it down a little bit? Do you need to incorporate a yoga practice or, you know, maybe something a little bit slower like walking or steady state? And is your eating sustainable? You know, are you constantly chopping and changing in and out of diets and, you know, fad things that we try to lose weight? And, you know, are these things actually serving you? So I think that's what you should go out and do today is to have a look at your life and to see if whether or not little things in your life are sustainable long term, because I know that it's definitely made me look at my life a lot different as well. I hope you guys loved this episode with Elise just as much as I did. And I hope you're looking forward to tuning into my next episode as well. I've got some amazing guests up very shortly. So if you would like to head over and hit that subscribe button and I really look forward to seeing you guys in my next episode.